Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Get Up 10. And let's be clear, it is the first episode of 2024. So happy new year. I'm so excited to continue releasing episodes of Get Up 10 and just to continue cultivating deep and thought-provoking conversations with some amazing people. I can only imagine the people that God is going to bring on this podcast in 2024. But to get it started, I really wanted to talk about healing. It was a topic that God really just pressed on my heart to end out 2023. And I wanted to have some good conversations around healing especially for the believer, for the person of faith, for the Christian, because there's so much out there when it comes to healing. And I feel like a lot of it is counterfeits. And so I wanted to speak with people who have had real deal encounters with healing. Like, so I'm so excited to kick this off. Our first guest is Chanel McCord. She is the CEO and clinical director of Oasis Wellness Group, a therapist, author, and speaker. And I thought our conversation was just so profound. I really enjoyed speaking with her. Um, I can't even think of all the words just to express how much I enjoyed our conversation. And y'all know, if you've been following Get Up Tem. In my interviews, the questions are pretty much the same, but what makes the episode different is the each guest in their story. And so I will just be straight up and tell y'all, out of all the people that I've asked, how do we get back up? She had my favorite response. So get your pad and paper, your notes app, whatever y'all using in this 2024, the year of our Lord, 2024. <laughs> whatever y'all are using, open that up because you're going to want to take notes. Um, she says so many good things and I'm really excited. This is going to be hopefully a three-part series on healing. So first off, we're going to be talking about mental health because how you going to win if you ain't right within, okay? Mental health matters and I'm always going to be an advocate for that. So yeah, enough of me. Let's get into this interview and May 2024 or whenever you're listening to this be a season of healing and wholeness like never before. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Get Up 10 Podcast. I'm here with Chanel McCord and I'm super excited to jump into today's conversation. Welcome to Get Up 10. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be with you. Of course. So you probably know nothing about Get Up 10 and there might be somebody else who is listening who doesn't know anything about it as well. So I always like to just give um, a little background on why I created this podcast. So Get Up 10 is all about resilience and authenticity. So knock me down nine times and I get up 10. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes from. And then just authenticity and showing up as yourself. That's my core themes. But depending on where I'm led, I also like to highlight different topics. So mental health is something that's really important to me. And I think you know a thing or two about mental health. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get into that and and your story and we'll just see where we go. So with that being said, how has life knocked you down? Mm. You know, I, I think it, it, I would say my journey to becoming a therapist um, 
Well, no. Okay, let me start over. I have an a, a BC and an AD of being a therapist. I always knew from a young age that I wanted to be a therapist. And I've been in the field for 11 plus years now. Um, and when I first started in the field, um, I did everything by the book. Not that I don't do it by the book now, but very textbook, right? I was very textbook um, about how I approach therapy. I would like to think that I was very helpful and I was able to help some people during that time. But about halfway in my journey, about six years ago, I had a tragic miscarriage. I was four and a half months pregnant um, and I wound up giving birth at work. Um, the baby did not survive. I had a stillbirth at work and I found myself in a whirlwind. I was a therapist for a while. Um, for those who don't know, I'm also a licensed minister. Um, and so I'm a therapist and I'm a minister, right? So I know all the clinical things. I know all the spiritual things. I know what the Bible say. But I lost my ever-loving mind. I lost my mind. Anxiety was on, was on another level. I was constantly crying. I was fearful. I was scared. Um, because out of that, I also, um, I almost died from that experience because I wound up getting blood clots in my heart and my lungs during that time. Um, and so it went from losing my child to a week later finding myself in ICU because they didn't know if I was going to survive to maybe a month after that having a cancer scare, but not being able to do anything about it because I was on these blood thinners because, and I couldn't come off the blood thinners because the blood class was so bad. So they couldn't do the testing for the cancer. So I just had to wait. Like, And so literally it was a whirlwind of a couple months. Um, I was 28 years old. I completely lost my ability to walk um, because the blood clot was so massive in my leg. I remember the physical therapist telling me that your brain processes it as um, an amputation. And so I had to relearn how to walk. So I went from time of my life to the worst time in my life. But when I came to, when I came off of that experience, I became a different kind of therapist. And this was my AD of being a therapist. I became a therapist who was no longer talking at my clients, but talking with my clients. Because there's a difference when somebody's talking at you from a, a level of expertise versus being a human, two humans in a room having a conversation about life and how can I guide you? And it is off of that miscarriage, you know, the Bible says that, um, one day you'll be able to thank God for the afflictions that you have gone through. I couldn't do it then, but I can honestly say I'm at a place now where I thank God for those afflictions because that birthed the second part of me as a therapist. And that is what bloomed and took my business to the next level. So that was a really long answer to your one question about my story. <laughs> no, that was perfect. And I am, my mind is blown, first of all, because I will be 27 in a couple of weeks. So to think about in one year from now, experiencing all those things, I just can't even imagine. And I am so sorry to hear about Thank the you. stillborn. That's very difficult. And I am a nurse, so mm -hmm. I get some of that. And yeah. I, I always told myself, like, I'm not a psych girl. I just always felt like I'll probably get taken advantage of because I just like to believe the best about people. <laughs> but the reality is in healthcare and nursing, there's always a little bit of psych or mental health with every patient, Absolutely. especially when you're giving holistic care. Absolutely. So 
It's definitely so important. I'm like I said, I'm so big on conversations around mental health. And I love that distinction that you made of BC and AD. Mm-hmm. Love that. So I'm trying to think of where I want to go from here. What led you to want to go into therapy as a young girl? Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> We're not into therapy become a therapist two different things and, and the simple answer is mind control um I remember <laughs> being younger and my mom was in school and she was studying um early childhood education and psychology and I was always into like mysteries like I loved like Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that or whatever and I felt like oh detectives and you got to be able to read people's minds and stuff and I remember as a young girl picking up my mom's psychology textbooks and like reading it and I really understanding it or whatever but I I really feel you know and and, in my eight nine year old mind oh if I become a psychologist then I can control people's minds you know and that's how it started for me I was you know mind control but (laughs) I really I I can honestly say that I was called to it right because when I was when I was young that eight and nine year old girl I said I don't want it to be two things a psychologist and a pastor those would I would I would say all the time I want to be a psychologist and a pastor and I find myself here today as a therapist and a minister you know and so when I think about that I really feel like okay I was really called to this this was a calling for me that I feel like God um led me into that is really like the 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 simple answer of it um and it was just a path like I, I held on to that like from that young age from that eight nine year old girl like I never I never changed I never thought about doing something different um I never thought about like every once in a while I'm like oh do I want to be a teacher or whatever but throughout college you know it was psychology and then I found myself and I just kept going from that so I really feel like and it wasn't until I think I got to these points in my career, um, probably around the time of the miscarriage and after, that I really recognized that this was a real calling for me because I started to see the impact and the change that I actually was having in people's lives. And it was mind blowing to me because you always deal with that imposter syndrome, right? You always deal with that. Am I actually helping anybody? Like, what am I doing? Am I helping? Am I effective? But then I would see how effective it would be. You know, my business started to blow up clients were referring people because they like yeah you got to talk to this one or whatever and it was just like wow you know and like now you know I am like my church knows if I get the mic or if I'm preaching or whatever we talking about mental health like we talking about the mind because I don't care if it's spirituality or not like we have to get these minds right you know so if for me it was a calling like I consider what I do ministry I mean it just it, yes it's my business um it's my profession it's what I love mental health is what I absolutely love and I can talk about it all day long like and I will find a way to fit it into any conversation I just will like I don't care if we talking about uno like I'm gonna find a way to fit mental health into that conversation because I just love talking about it and it just comes out of me you know so yes it was the little girl who thought she can control minds and my immaturity but really I just feel like God set me on this path because I just knew I was going to be a psychologist and a pastor but here I am as a therapist and a minister so I love that and I just always appreciate how intentional God is when he designs our lives and how the seeds are planted Mm -hmm. early Mm -hmm. 
personally, I don't really remember what I used to say to the whole what do you want to be when you grow up question. I'm kind of hoping that like one day it will come back to me or I'll find something. (laughs) But I love those stories of people who knew early and it came to pass. Speaking of being a therapist and um, a minister. Mm hmm. You have half of an alphabet behind your name. <laughs> Janelle McCord, M-A-L-P-C-A-C-S-C-C-T-P. What does that mean? Um, yes, and I'm, I'm coming after a few more letters. Um, I'm actually in school now for my doctorate because I just think it's time um, to become Dr. Chanel McCord. So I'm really excited about that. But MA is my master's degree. So I have a master of arts in professional counseling. LPC is my clinical licensure that makes me a therapist. So that stands for licensed professional counselor. ACS is approved clinical supervisor. So I'm also certified to supervise other therapists and help them on their journey to become um, therapists Um, because we have to do um, different different people call it different things, whether it's clinicals, residencies, for us as clinical supervision that therapists have to do for three years, weekly three years in order to become independently licensed. And then CCTP is a newer certification that I got. And that is a certified clinical trauma professional. Wow. And congratulations <laughs> in advance on Thank your you. doctorate. That's Thank you. going to be awesome. Can you, the last one was clin- Say it one more time. Certified, Certified clinical trauma professional. Okay, wow. That that's really cool, I think. Um, so many people get to adulthood and they realize they have all this trauma to unpack. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, trauma is definitely one of my specialties. Um, I do a lot of trauma work in general, so I thought it, it was just good to move forward and you know get a certification in that area as well to identify for people that trauma work is what I do and is what I'm trained in. I love that. Like, because it's one thing to be passionate, but it's another thing to be professional and like mm-hmm. have the credentials. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, calling anointing. Um, like I said, passion, those things are all important, but it's like the icing on the cake when you go ahead and like get those degrees and certifications and all that. It's just, it's just different yeah, level. Yeah. Listen, don't, don't get me started on a rant about oh. that. Cause I have a whole <laughs> rant about that. And I don't even know that I want to get started on that rant, but okay. I will say this, I will say this. There are certain things that we shouldn't play with, Right. Um, and there's certain things that we shouldn't play with. And when it comes to people's mind, body, and spirit, we never play with those things. And so for me, I'm not going to go to a doctor who doesn't have an MD, um, who hasn't done the training. I'm not going to allow a nurse who doesn't have any training to provide any part of care for me if you don't have any degrees or licensure or anything. Um, I'm not going to allow anybody to speak into... Um, my mind who doesn't have the train the real like the real training behind it and I think that mental health has become such a popular almost trendy these days right and I hate to say it that way because there's been such a fight to break stigma around conversations around mental health and I Mm -hmm. feel like now people are more open to it and, and open up to having a conversation but it has become so trendy everybody's jumping on a mental health bandwagon even those who have no real expertise no real credentials but they have an opinion 
um, or they know how to use what I call Dr. Google. Everybody think I can use Dr. Google. So I'm gonna Google something real quick and then I'm gonna spit that knowledge back out. So now that makes me a mental health coach or a mental health advocate or whatever the case is. I'm not against any of those things, but our minds are a serious thing that we should not play with. Um, and so as the consumer, I have to be protective over my mind and who I give access to, just like I'm protective over my body and who I give access to. And then as the professional, as the advocate, as the coach, we have a responsibility to do no harm. We have a responsibility to make sure that we don't operate outside of our scope of expertise, our true scope of practice, because we can really mess people up. And it is a matter of life and death. So I'll say that. There goes my rant. I'm happy you said that. Um, it literally is that serious. And as I was listening to you, it just made me think about taking accountability for who we give access to our minds. Mm. That yeah, that's so serious and deep. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's definitely not something that I would think of as a girl. You know, I don't think I had that awareness. But mm -hmm. I am now in life. I'm like, yeah, it is that serious because. Yeah. Is that serious? Is that serious? You wouldn't just let, you wouldn't just walk into an office and tell somebody, just let somebody tell you, oh, oh yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not a doctor per se, but I could, I could, I could prescribe you something. Like, I got you. You gonna be looking at them like, first of all, where's my doctor? It's the same thing without minds. Our minds are just as important. As a matter of fact, I always like to give these people with this illustration. Um, because we understand better when we talk about terms in our physical body. A physical body cannot live if the mind doesn't live. Mm -hmm. If there's no brain activity, the body shuts down because the brain is the center of it all. Our minds are the center of it all. Once this thing shuts down, everything shuts down. And I may not be, I'm not the smartest and the most adept. I've heard of liver transplants. I've heard of heart transplants. I've heard of all these things. I've never heard of anybody being able to transplant a, a brain. Yeah. Our minds are so fragile. Our minds are so important. And we have to make sure that we do everything that we do to protect it. Because if we lose our minds, we literally lose our life. <laughs> I can't even like respond immediately because I'm just sitting here like yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. what else is there to say like that mm -hmm. is absolutely correct and I came out of an abusive relationship and it mm -hmm. wasn't so much physically abusive as much as it was like emotionally and just I guess mentally and so I truly feel like if I had stayed in that relationship, I would have lost my mind. Mm -hmm. And so my testimony is really, but God, if not for God, Come I would have lost my mind. Come and on. so I can really relate to how devastating it is to like have your mental health deteriorate. Yeah. Because I've been there. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. This is serious. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but this is serious. Um, I'm going to go a little bit out of my normal order because since you are um, a 
there i want to make sure i'm giving you all your credit and like using the right terms a therapist and a minister um how do we differentiate between the spiritual the demonic and the more clinical slash i don't it's not like physical but instead of because i think in the church there can be the mistake of just labeling everything demonic but sometimes mm-hmm. it's not necessarily demonic. Like you need some therapy, you need some medication. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do we differentiate between the two? Yeah. So I'm gonna give two answers. I'm gonna give a very churchy answer, and I'm gonna give a very clinical answer. Perfect. Um, in the churchy answer, most things probably are demonic. Um, if we look at it that way. But even if it is demonic, and I'm dealing with something that was of a demonic influence, there will still be residual damage that is done. So even if I'm delivered from this demonic thing, I still have to deal with the residual damage. And in dealing with the residual damage, that's what leads me to the natural resources that God gives us by way of therapists, by way of doctors, by way of counselors or whatever it is, right? So that would be my response to those who are just looking at everything in a demonic way. There's probably demonic influence in a lot of things. Like if we look at biblically if we follow biblical traditions and we look at biblical traditions people lost it people lost their minds quote unquote um people lost their minds because of demonic possession a lot of time um we have names for that now we have clinical terminology for those things now for what people understood in those days to be demonic um, possession. And so even if it's a thing that needs spiritual deliverance, okay, cool. Get your spiritual deliverance, but also understand there's going to be residual effects. And we have to learn how to deal with the residual effects because there's still trauma responses that come out of that, right? And I have to make sure that I change behavior and I don't repeat behavior. And then there are some things that I tell clients all the time um everything is manageable not everything is curable there's some things that you that are that you can't be cured from like it's just it is what it is right on on a mental health level there are some things that you just have to learn to manage you have a lifetime of management um learning how to manage learning how to cope learning how to deal with life comes by way again of those natural resources that god gives us like counseling you know somebody to teach me the coping skills somebody to teach me to manage somebody teach me on how to continue to function in life in spite of whatever this thing I have on my shoulder, right? And so even if we stick to the mindset that it's all demonic possession, okay, cool. I'm not going to argue that mindset, but what I am going to say is then what are we doing to deal with the residual effects, the after effects, right? Every every injury is going to have a wound that needs to be taken care of. If I cut myself, And I just leave that cut open and I decide I cut myself, but that's it. I'm just believing God that I'm going to be okay. That cut is going to get infected because you're not addressing it. You're not, you're not dressing it appropriately. You're not doing what you have to do to heal that wound. Right. And so it is the natural resources that we take. It is the going to the counseling. It is going to the doctor. It is doing those things that's making sure I'm addressing the wound so that it doesn't turn into an infection. The same it is with our mental health. Whatever we don't address, the wound will become infected and will cause issues again. 
And so many people, I'm going to venture to say, oh, I hate to say this, but I'm going to venture to say, I think what happens sometimes in the church too, is that we may get a spiritual deliverance, but spiritual deliverance has to be followed up with a natural discipline. Oh, that's good. I'm about to that write that so down good. myself. <laughs> that was straight from the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm preaching now. No, you, I'm happy you, you beat me to it, honestly, because I was going to say that in the Bible, it talks about, and I might not have the exact terminology, but essentially it talks about a demon being casted out and he roams the earth or whatever, looking for somewhere else to find. Exactly. And when he can't find somewhere, he comes back to his original destination. And not only does he come back, he comes back with some seven friends. He comes back seven times stronger. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough just to get delivered. It's like, okay, what boundaries are we putting in place? What what are we changing here? Because mm -hmm. if not, that thing is going to come, come spin the block. It's going to spin exactly. the block. No, for real. And, and it will come back seven times stronger. And I've seen it time and time again, right? And we think, oh, I'm delivered. I'm healed. But then it takes a lifetime of work to stay delivered and healed. And so there's a natural discipline that has to come along with that. So that would be the spiritual answer. The clinical side, and as a matter of fact, I think that's the spiritual and the clinical answer, you know, all in one, because the clinical side of it is that we, we already know there's diagnoses. This stuff is real. Like people are dealing with things that they can't control. I'm a witness. When I went through that miscarriage and everything, like I experienced anxiety on a level that I have never experienced before. And I tell people today, so I had to do what I had to do. So I'm a therapist and I have a therapist. I go to counseling. Um, I've been going to counseling for the last, I think it's been like about four years now. Uh, yeah, four years now consistently or whatever the case is. And my therapist be trying to let go of me. I'm telling her, listen, I'm coming once a month, but I'm you are not taking me off your caseload because I want to make sure I'm good and I'm right, especially as yeah. I'm dealing with other people's trauma and I'm dealing with other people's heaviness or whatever the case is. I have to make sure that I stay good. But then anxiety got to a point where I had another flare up and it's just like, I can't control this. Like in my mind, I'm sitting here like Chanel. Like, would you stop? Why is you crying? Why is you like, why is you on edge or whatever? And I'm having this conversation with myself while I'm bent over in the corner crying, uh, having a panic attack or whatever. And I said, you know what, Chanel, it's time to go get you some medication for anxiety. And so that's what I did. And I have no shame being a therapist or being a minister because I'm still a human, right? And so I believe God, I pray, and I believe that my ultimate, I, you will never convince me that my ultimate deliverance will ever not come from God. You can't ever convince me of that. But I believe that God is using natural tools in my life right now to help keep me at baseline, to help keep me good. Should the day come when the Lord decides, you know what? No more medication. You good. I'm going to take it away from you. And here's the thing. And then he's still going to get the glory. I'm still going to glorify him because I'm not giving the medicine the glory of why I'm stable. No, I'm giving God the glory for the wisdom that you have given people to create such medication that can keep us like. That's how I am. So as a minister, I don't compromise on those things at all. Like I know ultimately where my healing is coming from, but I also believe that there's a natural component for which God feeds us. You know, the Bible says that man cannot live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so, okay, so God, you're saying that I have to feed myself with your word, but what might happen if I don't eat for 30 days, natural food? 
So God understands, get your natural food, but he was trying to make the point that your spiritual food is important too. But one without the other one, you, you know what I'm saying? Like the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind, right? Um, that God understands these things. And if you look at the Bible, man, I could go story upon story. One of the things, um, just looking at the Bible and there's so many stories of mental health in the Bible and yes. how God addresses it. And we oversee the those things, right? And so I feel like one of the things that I bring to the church is being able to help people to make the connections on how mental health was in the Bible and how God handled mental health and why it's important today. You know, so and th there's so much I could talk about on that. There's Absolutely. so much. One of my favorite Bible mental health stories is Elijah after he destroys the prophets of Baal. And then he's like, all right, God, I'm ready to die now. That is my <laughs> number one. That is literally the number one story that I, you, that and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Because it's so real. It. Yeah. It's so real. It's so real. So, yeah. And Jesus, or not Jesus, Um, the angel God, the angel slash God is just like, mm -hmm. all right, have a snack, take a nap. We got Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, let's deal with it. Okay, you tired. You tired, baby. Like self-care is important. <laughs> you tired. Get some food so you can get your strength and take a nap so you can get your mind again. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we don't we don't often read the Bible like that to be able to make the connections of what was happening biblically and what was, you know, what's happening in the natural world. But when we take it, we can literally see the manifestations of mental health in the Bible. Exactly. And also I think that is the power of having community as a Christian because mm -hmm. You read the Bible one way, but somebody else is reading it in a totally different way. So like when I read the Bible, I look at the different sicknesses or illnesses and um, the physical references to the body because I'm mm -hmm. a nurse. Like that's mm -hmm. my thing. And then mm -hmm. you look at it from a whole nother perspective. Right. And then right. somebody who is a carpenter or a construction worker is looking at it another way. A completely different way. Exactly. And it's so powerful to just be able to hear those different perspectives and really broaden yeah. your understanding. But back to you. So mm -hmm. you went through a miscarriage. You went through anxiety. You were hospitalized. Mm -hmm. How did you mm -hmm. get back up from those things? Like you did touch on it a little bit, but I always like to make it very tangible and clear for mm -hmm. whoever might be listening and whoever might be going through those very same things right now. Like how do they mm -hmm. get back up from that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have two very clear answers, a determination to live and community. My community pushed me back up when I didn't want to, when I wanted to stay home and cry in a corner, my husband was by my side. You know, when I when I was relearning how to walk and getting strength in my legs, and I remember the doctor telling me, you know, um, you know, exercise and movement is gonna be great for you because it helps to break down the clots and, you know, all of this stuff or whatever the case is. And so when I heard that, I was determined I'm doing 10,000 steps a day, you know? And it got to a point where it was just like, if I didn't hit my 10,000 steps by bed, 
that time, my husband would do stuff like he would take me to Walmart and we would walk around Walmart and we would do laps around Walmart to make sure that I got my steps. So we would do Walmart dates and Target dates. Um, we would walk around my complex. He would make sure, you know, um, because one, it helped to settle my anxiety because if I didn't do it, I was just like, oh my God, like I'm, I don't feel like I was doing my part or whatever, but it helped to settle my anxiety. He was by my side during the day. He would talk me, he would take me to the mall and we would do laps around the mall. My pastor, you know, my pastor was there. I could call my pastor 24 seven. I was there. She was encouraging me. She was, you know, texting me, checking in on me, you know, making sure that I was getting back up, making sure that I didn't just stay home. At some point she was like, all right, it's time to come back to church, boo. Like, it, like it's time, you know, um, um, my best friend at the time, you know, like she, when I tell you, I call that girl every day, probably like five times a day on a mental breakdown. And she was dealing with her own stuff and she was there and she let me through. Like I could go on and on my family, like community, man. You know, the first thing we do when we go through is we isolate the enemy festers in isolation. We were not created to be individuals. We were created as relational beings. It is not good for man to be alone. Even God in himself is relational. He is three in one, right? We were not created to be isolated. We were created to be relational beings, which is why so many people struggle with the pandemic because we literally were being forced to do what was not in us to do. And that was to mm -hmm. isolate, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so for me, community, community put like when I wanted, when I wanted to lay down and die, <laughs> um, community said, no, no, you're not. Cause you still got more work to do. No, you're not. I still believe in you. Um, and so finding community, but it has to be the right community. It has to be the community that can see past all your stuff. When I didn't want to hear it, when I didn't like whatever, when I was mean and probably unruly, when anxiety was getting the best for me, there were people in my life that were able to say, girl, I don't care. Get up come outside, you know, type of thing. My husband, like, all right, we're going to, like, it just got to a point where my husband was like, get dressed, we're going to the movies, you know, like, you're no longer going to sit in this house. So community was everything. Finding the right people in your circle, you have to find, have the right circle. It has to be the right people. There's a book called Safe People that I would suggest that um, anybody pick up and, and, and just learning how do you establish safe people in your life and get safe people in your life? Um, because when they're safe people, they're going to push you to your next level. And then not only community, there was, I wanted to live. Like I wasn't one of those, I wasn't suicidal. I didn't just want to lay down and die. That wasn't my story. Part of my anxiety was I wanted to live and I felt like I wasn't. I felt like I wasn't going to live. I felt like I was going to die in my sleep. I felt like, you know, I was going to be walking down the street and just pass out. And that was it. I wanted to live. Um, And one day, there was something that came over to me that was just like, okay, then live. You know, when I really started to heal, it was because I got back to life. I, I started going back to church. I was sitting in the back and crying. I'd be scared to death, but I went back to church. Um, eventually, I went back to work. It was hard. I was calling my best friend all the way into work and whatever, because especially because I went back to the same job where I had the miscarriage, right? So it was oh hard. Gosh. I eventually, I went back to work. And when I found myself eventually getting back to life, I got back to life. And like, that's the easiest way I can put it. When I decided to live, I lived. 
Like that is the easiest way that I could put it. Like when I decided that, okay, I got back to life. I went back to work. I went back to church. Eventually me and my husband would go back to going on dates. I would show my, my myself in the public. I remember um, it, because it was around the holiday time, you know, I had a miscarriage two days before Thanksgiving. So it was all holiday time. And so I remember um, my church had a Christmas party and I went and, you know, we had a couple's, we had a couple's like game night or whatever. And I remember playing the games and just laughing or whatever. And when I got back to living, something in my mind crossed over and I went back to living. So community and a will to live are two very powerful things. And you have to push yourself. You have to push yourself into community and you have to push yourself into a will to live because our natural inclinations, our natural disposition of people is not to do that. Our natural disposition is to isolate and die. That is our natural disposition, to isolate and die. Like that's what we would do. I'm gonna isolate, I'm gonna stay to myself, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna waste away. So it takes an intentionality and it takes a push to connect to your community and have a determination to live. But man, when you do those two things, you will get up and you will thrive and you will prosper. I am the poster child for that and I am a witness for it. I decided to allow community to push me and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna live. And something completely changed in my mind and I'm still standing today. I love that. I think that has been honestly one of my favorite answers to that question. And I ask that question a lot, mm -hmm. but that was such a powerful answer. And I have a few thoughts that I want to share. I think those two things that you said at first, I was going to say like, that's such a lethal combination and it is to the enemy, but also mm -hmm. it's very much a dynamic duo mm -hmm. because it's one thing to be like, and I just said this yesterday because I had to pull myself up and be like, I'm not quitting on myself. I'm not quitting on my dreams. That's one thing. But honestly, there's days where I'm like, okay, time to phone a friend because I ain't got it. And so when you have that either, I can't even say either. It's not either or. It's it's like both and kind of. Yeah. Like both of, you gotta have both you gotta have mm -hmm. that fight for yourself but then to have that community mm -hmm. that's huge and even as I was listening to you I was like oh this woman is blessed when it comes to relationships and one thing because I love to talk about wealth and riches and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but I guess because of my faith I understand that it's not just about money. There's levels to wealth and one form of currency is relationships. And I heard um, Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip hop preacher, talk mm -hmm. about being rich in relationships. And that always just stuck in my head and mm -hmm. in my heart. And I'm like, I want to be that. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, yes, this woman is blessed in the area of relationships. Listen, and that is amazing. And when you say that, the first thing that came to my mind is when you are rich in relationship, you'll never be broke. That's and I so mean bad. that. And I mean that in a financial sense, and I mean that in just a living sense. When you are rich in relationship, you'll never be broke. You'll never be broke. And that's why we struggle so much because we try to do so many things in isolation. And I get it. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of distrust or whatever the case is. But when you're rich in relationship, you'll never be broke. I'll never worry, I'll never worry about certain things because I know my community got me. 
like one thing about my church, like we are, you know, Restoration Station Christian Fellowship, uh, Edgewater Park, New Jersey, you know, got to give it up to my pastors, Bishop Dorian and Pastor Joy Morgan. One thing we are is a family, like, and, and everything that comes with it, right? The good, bad, the ugly. Like some days my family get on my ever loving nerve, but they mine and you better not mess with them. They mine, you know, we, we got all the different personality types or whatever, but we are family and we are there for hours. You know, it's funny because Thanksgiving, because I was traveling the day after, I didn't really do anything for Thanksgiving with my family. And so I went to my pastor's mom and dad house. And they had a family gathering. Mm -hmm. And listen, I've I've known them for 20 years. And it's just like, I'm family. I walked in and, you know, their parents was like, oh, hey. And I, I was sitting around at the table laughing and telling stories like everybody else because we are a family. And I know that my people got me. I know that my people got me. So I'll never worry about being broke in any respect in my life because I have community and I'm rich in relationships. That is so good. And that just gave me a new perspective on this whole idea of lacking nothing Mm. and no good thing shall he withhold. Because I've been questioning God about that. Like, okay, Mm. God, your word says, like, no good thing will you withhold. And that I can't remember like the exact wordings, but literally like, I know no lack. That's what I know. Yeah. No lack. I'm like, okay, God, that's what your word says. But sometimes I I definitely feel like I'm missing some things. <laughs> but when I heard, hear that perspective, it's like, oh no, like we, I guess it is bringing me into an awareness of just how much we really do have. And if somebody is listening to this conversation and they don't have community, I hope that this inspires them to know that it is out there and it's life changing. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so good. And I wanted to go back to um two things. Um, I'm I was smiling when you talked about your church being a family because I just relocated to Florida uh last year. I'm originally I say originally from New York, New Jersey. <laughs> okay. I was born in New Jersey, but I was raised in Rockland County, New York. So Okay. I'm I from consider- the Bronx, so Yes, New my mom's York, from the Bronx. I consider myself a fake Jersey girl though. I love New Jersey. <laughs> I'm like I know a lot of people don't say that but I love New Jersey <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a special place in my heart but um so since relocating to Florida I started attending a new church and it's different it's definitely different from from what I grew up in mm-hmm. um I grew up attending Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn under Pastor A.R. Bernard mm-hmm. and that really has set a standard yeah for me personally and so coming to Florida and seeing how the churches are here, it's a lot different. Um, for example, like I grew up going to church for two hours, more or less, you mm-hmm. know, and like the first hour is worship. The second hour is the word pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then here in Florida, it's like, all right, 15 minutes of worship and then little announcements. And then we got 30 minute word. And then, you know, you grab your cup of coffee on the way in and, and enjoy the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. But I will say, even though the Sundays aren't as meaty, uh, during the week they have so many different programs mm-hmm. and outreach mm-hmm. so it kind of balances out but what I want to say is the church that I'm attending now is called Grace Family Church and so sometimes especially lately there's been times where I'm like I, I don't want to go to church I want to stay in bed and I want to watch a live stream but my daughter really loves going to church <laughs> she's three mm-hmm. and she loves going to church and uh, even wait I'm like 
starting the other story before I finish my first story. So anyways, last week, my brother was here for Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and we went to church and he was like, so are you a member here? And I was like, no, they don't have members because they they don't they don't consider themselves to have members. It's Grace Family Church. So you join the family. (laughs) Okay. so he was like, "Okay, well, are you a family member? And I'm like, I guess I'm part of the family. (laughs) And then I was (laughs) laughing because like right after that conversation, I think I said hi to like five people in a row. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm part of the family. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just I wanted to also just talk about pressing through and and getting up and going to church, even if you don't got it all together, because I definitely had to do that recently. Um, Like I said, my daughter, when Sunday comes, she wants to go to church Mm -hmm. and that has forced me out of bed and to get dressed and to go myself sometimes just for her and so like about two weeks ago I went through a really great course on freedom Mm. and it ended with an event that was just so powerful um there were speakers and we got prayed over and Mm -hmm. I literally felt like God just took a weight off my shoulders and Mm -hmm. I left so I left lighter freer on a high and then right afterwards the enemy wasted no time listen (laughs) wasted no time just I went from a high to a low yeah so that event was on a Friday Saturday so then on Sunday I did not want to go to church but I went and I even went a step further as to go up to the altar and get prayed over and that was so pivotal and so good for me um I ended up becoming friends with the lady it's not she's we're the same age so I feel awkward calling her a lady the girl <laughs> I ended up befriending the girl who would pray with me and I feel like since then like in the last two weeks there's been just so many great things that have happened for me through my church community mm-hmm. and so it's really important to get up and go to church even if you got to sit there crying the whole time even if you got to hide in the back even if you got to sit in the lobby and listen from there just listen, get in the building it's community it's yeah. community church is one of the greatest ways and I know so many people shy away from it because you know of this church hurt stuff or whatever the case is and I'm not I, I don't want to sit here and deny anybody's experience of church hurt or whatever the case is but what I will say is that Whatever environment you enter, you enter understanding that there's a probability of hurt. You go to work, you're likely to get hurt. You're married, you're likely to get hurt. You have a family, you're likely to get hurt. When you're dealing with people, that's going to happen. But never allow your relationship with God and where you're being fed. Never allow people to separate you from that. Exactly. I could not have said it better myself and I won't try to (laughs) I want to be respectful of your time Mm -hmm. but there are a few more important things I do want to touch on um normally I would talk about authenticity and just being yourself but Mm -hmm. I feel this conversation has already had so much to it that we're gonna Mm -hmm. leave that part off today and maybe we'll talk on that topic another day but so you are the CEO and clinical director of Oasis Wellness Group Mm -hmm. are you accepting clients I am accepting clients. Um, I I do have some openings. My staff has openings. Um, You know, we're accepting clients until we can't, but then we put people on a wait list so that we can try and serve as many people as possible. 
perfect and do you have to be in new jersey or do you guys do virtual counseling so we do do virtual, but at this time you do still, even with virtual counseling, um, as a therapist, our licenses only work, operate in the state in which we're licensed in. So you would, so we can only operate in the state of New Jersey as of right now, because that's where we're licensed. Um, but that may be changing soon enough. So uh, stay tuned. Okay, great. And you are also an author. Mm-hmm. Is that a recent accomplishment? Um, when did I release my book? Um, was it last February? It was February of 22. I released my first book, which was a project. Writing a book is no joke, y'all. Oh, I know. Writing a book <laughs> is no joke. Um, uh, but my pastor is a book, uh, a book, um, writing coach. Um, and Perfect. so, you know, she helped me through that or whatever the case is. So I'm really, I'm really excited. My book is called Jumpstart Your Journey to Mental Wellness, Strategies and Tools to Live in Your Well Life. And basically it is a compilation of the things that helped me heal and the things that literally clinical activities that I utilize with my clients in order to help them to heal. So we talk about um, changing our thought. We talked about identifying, changing our emotions. We talk about embracing your story. We talk about affirmation. We talk about, you know, um, identifying the different areas of your life and setting a wellness plan. So literally the things that help me heal and the things that I use with my clients, I kind of just put it in book form. That's amazing. Where do we buy that book? Is it on Amazon? Is it through your website? What's the best it, way to it get a copy? It is on Amazon. So you can find it on Amazon, but you can go to my website at www.oasiswellnessgrp.org. Um, and I have a store tab on my website and you can go there and um, check out my book. Perfect. And I also want to mention that you are having a women's wellness conference, the Rhythm of Life Women's Wellness Conference on Saturday, April 27th in mount laurel new jersey and the theme is selfish so yes i'm super excited so um having a conference having conferences was a major dream of mine um you know something i wanted to do so last year i took the leap of faith and i planned a conference in two months and that was a lot but we bought um about 60 i want to say it was about 65 women together about 65 women together um and we had a whole day conference it was an amazing event and so this year i decided bigger and better um the theme selfish is really um talking about self-care um i have a story i may i'm not going to say it out my mouth there may be some things that are coming out of it that one of my sister friends is 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 pushing me to write something but um, I have um, a story that I talk about on how lotions taught me self-care. And so the theme uh, of this year's conference is coming out of the story of how lotions taught me self-care. And so we're going to be talking about different aspects of self-care. I'll just tell you guys some of the session titles. Um, so we have a session that's going to be called Selfish Destiny. And we're going to be talking about how getting to destiny, um, self-care and destiny is going to be powerful. Um, we have another um, session called Selfish Rest and talking about the importance of rest and the power behind rest and being selfish with it, you know, self-care about it. I'm going to be doing a session called Selfish Living. So a lot of what we talked about, about how living helped me to live, I'm going to be unpacking that in that session. And then there's going to be a panel discussion called The Selfish Fight. And it's going to be talking about these women, um, their journey from tragedy to tragedy triumph and how their fight 
create to take care of themselves and to be better, help them to succeed and, and be successful. Then we're going to have self-care stations. It's going to be awesome. I'm hosting it at a local community college. It is going to be an awesome event. Um, I have some major partnerships that I think that are coming out of this. I am over the moon. I'm excited and scared all at the same time because it's going to be so big. It's going to be so big. I'm like sitting here ready to jump out of my chair because I'm so that's I'm so excited. <laughs> that sounds so good. And I'm like, oh shoot, like I'm gonna have to talk to God because I need him to make a way for me to attend because that's gonna be gonna amazing. Be, yes, gonna be, that's we have a VIP option too. So um what's exciting about it is that I'm gonna do this last year. There's a VIP option, and so there'll be a special VIP luncheon with a VIP speaker for those who opt for that. So we're looking to make it an experience and just make it a day of just self-care for the women involved. Like I'm, you know, looking if anybody's listening and you're looking for a way to partner support, I'm accepting sponsorships. We're looking for product donations because we would love to give women packages to walk away from, you walk away with like self-care packages and different things like that. So it's going to be amazing. I'm excited. I'm so excited about it. Um, And just what it's, the opportunity that's going to come out of it and how the women more than anything are going to walk away from the like, okay, I'm ready to take my self-care back I'm so excited about it yes I'm gonna put it in my calendar and put it on your calendar and I'm gonna pray about it because yeah if the Lord opens that door I'm I'm coming <laughs> so it's gonna be good it's gonna be good I promise I promise that it's gonna be good it's gonna be good so all right that's all I'll say about that but um <laughs> if you want more information about that again you can go to my website www.oasiswellnessgrp.org and click on the ROL conference tab um I'm gonna be dripping information over time stay tuned to my socials um you know I'll be revealing my speakers soon and then I'll be doing like a, a a video of like last year's conference and stuff just to get you know people hype or whatever but registration is now open um and these are the cheapest tickets will be so if you want to register now is a good time to get that done yes so this episode will be out i want to say in december i'm not sure off the top of my head if not december definitely early january so okay. that is plenty of time for people to plenty get their ticket of time yes and ma'am. get to new jersey on april 27th Yes, ma'am. So this discussion was so good. I'm full. Like my cup is full from this discussion. Do you have any closing words, last thoughts, something that you forgot to say, something that you would love to just finish off with? Um, I just want to finish off with be well and live. That's it. That's it. Be well and live. Thank you so much, Chanel McCord for your time, for your wisdom, for for your expertise. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I was excited to be here. Of course.